Today's episode is brought to you by Chiropractic Mastery. Wouldn't it be great if your spinal problems and misalignments could correct themselves? And if you didn't need the same thing done to you every time you visit the office, best of all, what if your chiropractor could check and tell when your body didn't need any help that day at all? MC2 chiropractors correct nervous system imbalances directly so the body is best able to correct the spinal misalignment on its own. This is done without twisting, popping, cracking, or causing pain. It's so honoring to the body that most people experience a tremendous amount of improvement very quickly, often without the soreness and stiffness that may follow a more traditional chiropractic adjustment. Your chiropractor can find out more by visiting chiropracticmastery.com and checking the seminars tab. And if you're looking for a chiropractor that will custom build the most painless yet effective chiropractic adjustment for you on every visit to the office, go to chiropracticmastery.com and click on the referrals tab. Hey everyone, and welcome to the KiddoCast for Chiropractic Families, the world's first and only podcast committed to normalizing complementary and alternative care, particularly chiropractic care for children by sharing the experiences of the doctors in the trenches. In our time together, we will talk with pillars in the alternative healthcare world to give you the tools you'll need to make positive change in the health of your children today. Simply put, we're here to change the trajectory of modern healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bronstein. I'm a pediatric and family chiropractor certified by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and the director of the Beacon Clinic of Chiropractic in beautiful Grover Beach, California. Now today, folks, we're going to be joined by a close personal friend of mine, Dr. Ian Stolman, who practices in Florida, and we're going to be talking about some really interesting topics, not the least of which is a topic that uh, I really wanted to talk about with Dr. John Edwards last week, but didn't get a chance to, and that is men in the birthing world. This is a particularly important and salient topic uh, for me because it's uh, it's something that we, we deal with in our clinic every single day. As a man who works with pregnant people, um, we, we notice the patriarchy inherent to the birthing culture, um, and I think Ian and I both want to do something about that. Just one word about this episode. Um, throughout the episode, I use the term pregnant women multiple times while Dr. Ian uses the term pregnant people. Um, This episode was recorded in late 2018 before I started doing work with respect to equity and our trans friends. And so I should have used the term pregnant people. So please excuse that. Um, Now, without any further ado, please enjoy the episode with Dr. Ian Stolman. All right, guys, here we are. Back at it, another Friday uh, with multiple podcast interviews coming at you. Uh, today we've got a three-pack, and uh, there's no better way to start this off than to hang out with my good buddy Ian Stolman all the way down in Florida. Hey, Ian, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I think this conversation that we're going to have here is uh, is something that's been on the back of my mind for a really long time. I know we've been talking about it behind the scenes, um, but I think it needs to be said. And uh, hopefully we'll have a lot of people who will benefit from uh, this content. Um, before we get started, people need to know who you are. So give us the brief synopsis of, you know, who you are, what you do, what you stand for. There you go. So uh, I'm a second generation chiropractor. My dad uh, practiced for 30 years before I decided to become a chiropractor. And uh, very early on in my education, I got an opportunity to hear Jeannie Ohm speak about chiropractic and pregnancy and kids. And I just absolutely fell in love. I knew from the moment she finished speaking that I was going to spend the rest of my life serving pregnant individuals, serving children. And that was just, you know, without a doubt what I wanted to do. 
So during school at Life University, I was, you know, in addition to passing boards and doing all the other stuff that I did, I was also drawing blueprints for a birth center slash chiropractic office. And it just so happened that when I moved back to South Florida after graduating, there was a local birth center that was opening at the same time. So instead of opening one practice, I ended up opening two locations uh, right from the start and, and started very early working with a lot of expectant parents and young babies, both at the birth center and at my normal office. And I did that for about seven years and uh, uh, really did, you know, started focusing on developing relationships with pediatricians and OBGYNs and midwives and establishing subluxation correction as a routine aspect of perinatal care. Hmm. And I think that's really important. It's, it's, um, uh, it, it's really where my main focus is and you know, my main goal as a chiropractor. And then uh, last year, I started, uh, uh, you know, teaching for the ICPA, and it's it's you know pro uh, professional dream of mine. I'm so so happy uh, so happy to be able to do that. This this birthing center piece, this integrated care model, is fantastic. Um, you know, it's funny because you I think you practice pretty similar to the way that I practice, except in maybe different venues. Um, but you correct vertebral subluxation, right? That's your specialty. That's, that's your focus. And that's my focus as well. I know a lot of uh, folks who work in the birthing world who focus on a lot of other stuff. And that's great. But I find that it's fairly rare to have a subluxation focused perinatal practice, um, which is great because we know that we can do amazing things for pregnant mamas from well, preconception all the way through postpartum. So, um, will you, will you draw a line for me real quick? Cause I, I talked to John Edwards about this last week. Um, but I'd love to have your take on it. Draw a line between pregnant mom, symptoms or no, and chiropractic. Okay. So I think the conversation, anytime we talk about how chiropractic can benefit anybody, we have to discuss subluxation. And the way that I discuss subluxation with my patients, whether it's a pregnant individual or you know a parent of a young child or even a provider, is I focus on how the nervous system is what allows us to perceive and adapt to the world around us. And when that nervous system is working properly, our capacity to adapt is far greater and we can withstand the physical, chemical and emotional stresses so that our body works appropriately. But anytime we have a subluxation, anytime there's uh, aberrant nerve activity, it creates a reduction in the capacity for our bodies to handle those changes. It reduces our adaptability. And by reducing the adaptability, it affects muscles, it affects organs, it affects glands. Basically, it just doesn't allow that person to regulate their internal and external environment as well as they should. And specifically in pregnancy, that's incredibly important because we know that nobody goes into pregnancy as a clean slate. Everybody's an accumulation of the subluxations and the stress that they've, that they've experienced throughout their life. Then in pregnancy, you have the hormone changes, you have the posture changes, you have the, uh, you know, the added stresses and, and um, you know, all of the things that happen in pregnancy that predispose uh, people to have even more subluxations or more significant subluxations. And that process uh, affects obviously physical comfort. It affects stress hormones and ultimately influences the baby. It affects the pelvic floor and the uterine muscles. It affects uh, the movement and position of, of the pelvis, you know, in and around birth. It affects, uh, you know, pretty much every facet of the process uh, from conception throughout birth and postpartum recovery. Most women have come to expect 
that pregnancy is miserable. They come to expect that birth is, is even worse because we've been indoctrinating women uh, you know, and, and people in general from a very early age that they should expect uh, uh, birth to be, to be terrible. And the truth is, is that I think the reason why so many people have that experience is because so many people go into pregnancy subluxated and they never realize that chiropractic is something that's available to them. Because by addressing those subluxations, by reducing that aberrant nerve activity, by increasing the adaptive capacity of the body, it allows uh, a pregnant person's body to create a better internal environment for baby, to create a better uh, a physical uh, capacity to adapt to those changes. And the result is a more comfortable pregnancy, an easier birth, a faster recovery, and a much more enjoyable uh, experience for the entire family. Uh, we routinely have uh, you know, pregnant individuals in their late third trimester tell us that they feel better now while under chiropractic care, while 38, 40 weeks pregnant than they did even before they were pregnant, right? which is just not something that you typically hear, but it's indicative of what the body's uh, capacity is once it's free of subluxation and has a, a greater capacity to adapt than it did before. Yeah. Yeah. This biological directive, um, to actually deliver a baby in an innate way. Um, it's not a common thing for moms to be aware of really anymore. Um, I, again, I talk about this story all the time, but it, it bears repetition, right? I mean, you know that I spent some time in Paris in April with Michelle O'Donnell. He was talking about how we are genetically selecting away from vaginal birth because we are making it convenient to have augmentation in, in our deliveries. As a result, you know, 50, 60, 70 years removed from the sort of start of modern obstetrics, uh, now we don't even have obstetricians who know how to deliver certain, yeah. certain babies, right? Um, so it, it goes towards, you know, Pitocin, it goes towards Cervidil, it goes towards Cytotec, it goes towards, you know, suction delivery, like you name it. It's non-innate non because we've taught our moms that it's not only difficult and painful to birth, but that it's not, it's a pathology, right? It's, it's not we're, also teaching, we're also teaching an entire generation of providers that this is the only possibility. Correct. Right? And I think one of the, the downsides, and, and this, I'll say this with a little caveat as long as you let me finish the, the, the comment, is that uh, there's a downside to home birth in that the only time medical providers see people who have experienced a home birth, they only see them in the times that medicine needs to be intervened, right? They only see the quote unquote failed home birth. They only see the home births that have to transfer in. They never have an experience of this woman, uh, this person chose to have a home birth, this family chose to stay at home with a qualified midwife uh, or even by themselves in an unassisted birth and everything went beautifully. They never hear that. Yeah. And so the concept of birth is if you try to do it on your own, if you try to do it naturally, it's going to go bad. Right. right. You know, I'd even, I'd, I'd even add on top of that, sorry to step on your toes, but I know that you and I see the exact same thing in our practices. What ends up happening is if a mom has to be transported and the nurses and the doctors who only see the failed home births uh, think that home birth is dangerous, they leave the mom with this idea that she completely blew it. Right? I, 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 I talked exactly to nurses. What I was say. Yep. I've talked to nurses so frequently. I had one in my office that I actually had to fire as a patient because she wouldn't shut up about it. She kept telling me that I need to stop telling my moms to have home births because it's dangerous, right? It's cavalier. 
Um, they should just go to the hospital, let the doctor do his job and get out of the way. And that's the type of ridiculous approach that we're taking that leads to the highest maternal mortality rate in the Western world, that leads to the highest infant mortality rate in the Western world, um, and makes it most the most expensive culture in the Western world uh, to live to deliver a baby. Um, and just and just as important to you know to to note, it's also the system that creates so much inequality in birth opportunities and safety. Uh, you know, when we talk about rural versus urban, when we talk about you know people of color versus white, like there's a huge difference in birth outcomes, and it's something that I think is fueled by this need to uh, you know to control birth as opposed to listen to a person's innate instinct, listen to what's happening to their body. And, and evaluate them as a person as opposed to look at them as just, you know, another vessel for, for you know, a baby that we have to then intervene and try to control. Right. Right. Um, you know, this, this parlays really perfectly into what I really wanted to talk to you about. Um, we can call this anything you want, but I think I'm just going to simplify it and say, I, I want to really talk about male birth workers and what male birth workers, how, how they operate in the birth culture. Um, because there are less of us, you and I, than there are full-blown misogynists. I'm not even talking about male misogynists. There's a lot of female misogynists in the birth world as well, too, that act very patriarchal. It's the do as I say, not as I do type mentality, right? Which is what you're kind of describing with, with regards to moms going to the hospital. Um, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's a patern uh, paternalistic, authoritarian, I know best, you do what I say. And to be perfectly honest, um, it, I find it interesting because some of the male OBs in our, in our area are some of the most patient, loving, uh, you know, patient focused, willing to, you know, to help out and do what I, you know, do exactly what a mom wants to be able to have them have the experience they want. Whereas some of the um, exclusively female-run practices in my area are some of the most authoritarian, some of the most uh, you know fear-based, and I don't know if it's a disconnect from their own bodies so that they then transfer that to their patients, but it's an interesting thing. I think when you have an, a, um, a, a male birth worker who really honors the innate intelligence of the process, who really honors uh, a person's uh, you know, bodily autonomy and the ability to make the right choices and do what's right for their family. I think that could be a very powerful situation in the same way that either a male or a female provider who does not honor that could actually be far damaging regardless of, of you know, their, their gender or sex. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I certainly don't think that the patriarchy, you know, is gender discriminating. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I have the same issues with a lot of female birth workers as well. Um, I, I hate to use the term, but there's a lot of women'splaining and mansplaining going on, regardless of the gender um, in the OB world. And it's unfortunate because, as you talked about way before, it strips all of our moms of their power. You may know this about me. I don't think I've shared this story on the podcast, but um, I'll tell it to you now. So two years ago, uh, I did some Kappa training. I went in and, and became a doula and it wasn't because, a huh? A doodla. A doodla. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, uh, I didn't do it because I wanted to attend births in that capacity. Uh, to the contrary, I'm a chiropractor. My number one responsibility is to make sure my mom's go into birth subluxation free. But the reason I did it was because I was having a really hard time reconciling my place as a male birth worker in a, in a largely female dominated realm. It's not to say that, you know, females 
don't do a good job. No, I mean, birth is a, is a distinctly female activity. Um, but more than anything, I really wanted to learn to see things through the eyes of a lot of these women um, so that I could truly be empathetic, so that I could hold space, so that I could deliver the best possible care based on these, my patient's goals. And what I, what I learned uh, was really, really interesting. So um, I hooked up with um, a doula trainer who has, uh, she passed away last year, which is a huge bummer, uh, Terry Woods. And I've been bugging her for a long time about getting into a class. And she finally told me, um, yeah, we got one available in September. Um, why don't you, you know, pay your fee and I'll put you on the list and we'll get you going. So six months goes by a week before the seminar, a week before the class, she calls me up. She's like, Dan, oh man, I don't think I can, I can teach you. I think, I think I'm going to have to refund your money. I'm like, why? She's like, I'm having a lot of personal stress right now. And I've got 20 something moms or women who are going to come in and do this work. And I don't think I'll be able to stay focused with a man in the room. And uh, at first I was really upset. I mean, I was just like, come on, that's ridiculous. This kind of discrimination is exactly why men can't help women get where they need to go. Um, and then I thought about it and I realized that the reason that we're in this position is because men, is essentially, men, men have essentially ruined the birthing culture, right? Starting all the way back in the 50s and 60s, um, taking birth away from women as a distinct female activity and essentially usurping it. We now have a culture that is completely paternalistic, that doesn't listen to the women's innate guiding principles and, and biological directive. Um, she ended up training me privately, which was really interesting. I learned a lot. Um, it also taught me to be very patient and understanding when women come in, whether they're birth workers or patients, because a lot of these traumas that are associated with birth, um, sometimes they're really deep. Sometimes they're ingrained. And as a man, it's much more difficult for them to share this information with me. Um, so I don't take it personally anymore. Um, but I did want to ask you a question in response to that ridiculous long story. Um, once we have a bunch of men like you and I that are in the birth world that are poised, that are educated, that are experienced to be able to help these women, um, these, these humans have amazing births. Um, how do we bridge that gap further? Um, I think this is a loaded question. How do we help women, both birthing worker, birth workers and patients understand that there are those of us who are really here to help and we want to try to make that, that a level playing field for them? I think the key is really about, you know, as an individual, let people see your passion, let people see your respect for the process, let, you know, speak the language, um, you know, one of the reasons why as a fresh graduate, I was able to, to connect with these midwives and doulas in the birth center was because I spoke the language. They saw my passion. Uh, you know, they recognized that I understood my place as a, as a chiropractor, as a birth worker to support people and not try to control or try to influence that. This is really a, a you know, a, a birthing person led process. And, uh, you know, the, the support team around it is there to, to help, but they're not there to try to control or regulate. And I think as, as men in the process, you know, being is it that, you know, you and I will never give birth, um, you know, unless Arnold Schwarzenegger really does figure out the way it's, as he did in junior. Um, you know, there's, there's never a chance that we're going to be able to experience that, right? So in that respect, I think um, it's going to be a woman-led process. And 
as men who are supportive, we need to recognize that we have a lot of learning to do uh, in the process and, and listen and be supportive and be there, but also recognize that, you know, as such, you know, we, we can't get offended if there's a little hesitancy. We can't get offended if, if um, people are uncertain, you know, in the same capacity as, uh, you know, some people, you know, a, a man may not want a female proctologist, right? There are some, uh, you know, plenty of women who don't feel comfortable with a male uh, doctor, whether it's a chiropractor or an OB or, or any other form of birth worker. And, you know, we get to respect that because ultimately this is about creating a safe space for, for the birthing family. And I always saw my role as being able to help people have the experience they want to have. And, uh, you know, tell them what they need to, to know. And if, if I'm not the right person to help facilitate that, connect them with, with uh, a person they feel more comfortable with, well, even if that, that's, you know, um, you know, somebody who they just write off men entirely, that's okay. You get to have the experience you get. And I get to be the context that your perception of men in the birth world gets to change. And I think that's the key is that we get to embody um, you know, who it is that we want men in this world to be so that uh, ultimately, uh, you know, birthing individuals, the women, the other providers get to see possibility that they otherwise were closed off to. Yeah. And that'll help open eyes, that'll help change things, and that'll invite more men to feel safe in the, in, in the birth world and ultimately for more women to feel safe with men there as well. Yeah, that's spot on. I, I mean, you pretty much said exactly what I was thinking and what I do in my clinic is, I mean, ultimately when a mom comes into my practice, the first thing I ask her is if you had to close your eyes and visualize your perfect birth, what would that look like? It's not my responsibility to shape her goals. It's not my responsibility to tell her what to do. It's my responsibility to make sure that that happens to the best of my ability. So if mom comes in and says, yeah, I want to have an elective C-section because I just don't want the pain and I don't want the effort. Okay, I'm going to make sure you have the best C-section ever. And I think if more birth workers thought like that, I think we'd be in a much better, better place. We certainly yeah, be more collaborative. For the last eight years, I've, I've partnered with a local uh, doula group. Um, and uh, we share space now in, our, in my second location. And we work very closely together. And I've worked with these doulas uh, for the last eight years, really developing that level of... Um, you know, relationship in, in supporting, in supporting, you know, women and supporting birthing families. Uh, you know, the doulas that I work with, um, there are of course people who come in with, with their own personal, uh, ideologies, their own personal agendas, their own personal things. But the moment you start working with a client that, that has to be put to the side, right? I don't care how much of an intactivist you are. Uh, if a family is set that, for whatever reason, they're choosing um, uh, circumcision for their family. You can, you know, see. Have you evaluated, uh, you know, the, you know, both sides? Do you understand the benefits, the risks, the alternatives? Um, you know, but if they're crystal clear, that's not a space for you as a birth worker, somebody who's there to support them to pass judgment or to attack or to criticize. That being said, if somebody's asking for support, if they're looking for clarification, if they want to know more, that's a great opportunity to share with them the information that you know and that you have that uh, they otherwise uh, didn't realize. And, and it's that same way, whether it's you know um, 
home birth versus hospital birth, whether it's vaginal birth versus cesarean, whether it's natural birth versus, you know, medication assisted, whether it's induction or not, whether it's vaccination or not, like all of these conversations come up. And as birth workers, we get to be aware of the conversations. We get to have our own personal beliefs and opinions, but we also get to be a safe space where our clients feel comfortable coming to us without fear of being judged or attacked or ridiculed or, or accused of being a bad parent or making dangerous decisions. Um, you know, and I think that's really important because it's very easy. You know, people who go into birth work are very passionate. They, they love what they do. They love serving families. They love, and, and they all tend to have an idea of how things are supposed to look. Um, but it's important that we develop the ability to be that safe space for everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just put a safe space poster up in my adjusting area. I think I, I, I sent it here as on one of our Facebook, Facebook uh, threads. But, um, you know, it got to the point for me where I was just like, I'm sick of having this conversation in private. I want to make sure everybody knows what we stand for, because if we don't stand up for moms, then nobody else will. Um, if we don't stand up for any marginalized population, nobody else will. Um, so, so all these amazing things are happening in your practice. You're taking care of a lot of people. What strategies are you using to and not necessarily build your practice, but what strategies are you using to build bridges in your community? I know you did a whole talk on this when we were in Washington, DC. I'd love to hear kind of what's going on out there. And if there's any doctors listening, you know, what can they do to help, help do that as well? Well, I think the first thing that's really important is to recognize that chiropractic has a place independent of any other approach somebody chooses for their family's healthcare. Um, there is no other profession in the world that addresses subluxation. And that's something that as a chiropractor, I know that if I did nothing but address subluxations, I'm gonna have a profound impact on that person and that family's life. And I recognize that most providers, particularly in the medical field, they don't understand what subluxation is. They've never been presented you know, with the idea of what it is that we do. You know, Many chiropractors unfortunately have this idea that the medical profession is against us. And in my experience, the medical profession just doesn't think about us, right? They don't like it. Chiropractic is not even in their consciousness, particularly when it comes with things like birth uh, or, or, you know, childhood. And I think it's, you know, it's our responsibility to build bridges. And for me, it was always about educating on the concept of subluxation and how subluxation is going to make every single one of their patients' lives were difficult, less at ease, and if they've had those subluxations corrected through chiropractic care, it's not only going to help that patient have a positive experience, but it's also going to help the provider create a better, uh, uh, you know, their, their process of taking care of patients is going to be better as a result of that patient being unsubluxated. Um, so for me, it was always about subluxation. Now, when I reach out to OBGYNs, when I reach out to midwives or doulas, I'm always talking about how subluxation impacts the quality of life for pregnant people, the birth experience for both, you know, parent and baby, uh, the, the healing process, whether it's for the parent or for baby, as far as like nursing and colic and reflux and all those things and how correcting subluxation addresses an aspect of physiology that they've probably never evaluated. So it's always about subluxation for me and how chiropractic can help make everybody better as a result of, of improving their own innate adaptability. And 
overall, every provider that I've ever connected with has been incredibly receptive and responsive. Now that's different than coming in and saying, oh, we treat breech babies or, oh, we treat this or, oh, we treat that. Um, you know, we treat ear infections. That's not the conversation. It's that kids who have subluxations are gonna have a harder time having an appropriate immune response and are gonna be more likely to have recurring ear infections. So all those patients in your practice that get ear infection after ear infection after ear infection, if you're not also addressing the subluxation, then the part that you're doing is not as effective. And this child would be better served if we were able to hit both the subluxation as well as you know the, the traditional medical approach. That's funny. I, uh, I'm laughing because I literally just recorded like a six or seven minute video in my recording area in my office for a birth worker Facebook group uh, in our community because um, you're right. You're absolutely right. Nobody knows what subluxation is and how it can affect uh, their particular demographic, in this case, birth. Um, you and I know it's a foregone conclusion that if a mom is subluxated in her labor, it's going to be longer. It's probably going to be more complicated. Um, but I just didn't realize it, you know, and I, I was taking it personally because I kept getting these terrible referrals. I get moms at like 40 weeks and 41 weeks with like breech babies and back pain and all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, we got to do something because clearly nobody knows what's going on. And that's what it took. I, I literally just had to say like, listen, this is what subluxation is. This is how chiropractic actually works. Send me your moms earlier so that we don't have to do nearly as much aggressive, you know, bone moving uh, later on in the birthing process. Um, and let's make a better birthing community together. And um, so far, so good. You make um, a really interesting point because once you've established that connection and people are referring to you, it's never a problem to go back and clarify and refine and deepen that relationship. Um, you know, I'll, I'll often reach out to a provider and say, Hey, I'm so great that you sent me this person. Thank you. I think we're going to be able to help just an FYI. I know she mentioned that she's, you know, had this experience for X amount of, of, you know, months, this would be a great person early on. And in fact, I'm actually in the process of putting together, um, like a referral cheat sheet, uh, both for, you know, birth, uh, providers like uh, prenatal providers, as well as, as. Uh, pediatric providers. I want them to see if you notice these things with your clients, if you notice these things with your patients, they should probably have a chiropractic assessment. Uh, and that way we can get people early on before they've exhausted all other options. And the doctor's like, well, you know, you can try this chiropractor type of thing. Um, you know, deepen, deepen that relationship, clarify, build on it. You know, we can't expect uh, medical providers to have four years of medical school, four years of residency, a decade of practice, and then have an hour conversation with us where we touch on subluxation for 10 minutes and understand all of it, right? That can be a process that builds over time. Right. Well, okay. And so this also brings another point and perhaps we, we can end on this one because I think it's, it's really salient and it goes a long way. I had to write some notes down so I wouldn't forget this. Um, we both have said that, that providers don't understand chiropractic. So they tend to send us patients that are caught in their mold, right? Back pain, neck pain, uh, 
whatever. I mean, every once in a while, it's an allopathic way of looking at chiropractic. Correct. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while they may send us, you know, a mom with, you know, transverse or a, a breech baby, even though Webster is not designed specifically to flip these babies. Um, but even then it's an allopathic sort of perspective. It's, it's, why don't you take, do what you do and flip the baby over or relieve the back pain or whatever. There's never any talk about improving birth, improving that connection from mom to baby, improving that connection from mom to pelvic floor, um, which are the things that are much more vitalistic that you and I focus on. So I think let's, let's use this as a, as a, um, as a, as a podium, right? Why don't we tell all the birth workers who are listening to this podcast? And I know a lot do, why would anybody in a pregnancy in, in your, in your like 60 second pitch, why would anybody in a pregnancy situation need to see a Cairo? Right. I mean, we talked about it in a couple of different ways, but I, I want to see if we can sum this up pretty cl- uh, succinctly. So to try to, to try to put it in as, as succinctly as possible, uh, pregnancy is a time of immense change, both physically, chemically, emotionally. Chiropractic helps pregnant individuals better adapt to those changes so that physically they feel better, so that their body works better in preparation for birth, so that baby's in a better position, so that the birth process is easier and safer for both mom and baby, so that the recovery is faster and the transition into this new relationship is better for both. Be to chiropractic is not in treating all of the aches and pains and the nausea and the, you know, the, 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 all the stuff that comes with pregnancy that women come to expect. It's in helping the body better adapt so that it can be better in all aspects in a way that no other provider can offer this type of work because chiropractic at its core is salutogenic. We're about health promoting, we're about supporting the process as opposed to trying to treat the ramifications of ignoring the process. And sorry, let me change my view here. And how, how do people know? How do people know if they found the right chiropractor when they're pregnant? Um, so first off, I would strongly recommend, uh, you know, going to ICPA, the number four kids.org and looking by your zip code to find out if that chiropractor has had any training in chiropractic uh, prenatal or pediatric care. Uh, Webster Technique Certified is the one that you I ideally would be looking for for, for uh, prenatal care. But you also want to talk to the provider. Uh, you know, visit their website, visit them in the office. Uh, do you have a sense that there are other pregnant individuals there? Do you have a sense that this person has built relationship, uh, relationships with other providers? Uh, do they understand the, you know, do they communicate the importance of chiropractic, not just for their symptom, but for the overall uh, prenatal and, and pregnancy experience? Are they using gentle chiropractic techniques that are, that are specific for, um, you know, for, for that, uh, that mom and that baby, that, the, that family? Do they have an analysis to know when to adjust, when not to adjust, where to adjust, where to avoid, when a person's balanced? Um, are there signs that they're looking to try to correct and stabilize and improve uh, balance and symmetry and performance? Or is it more of a, you know, rack and crack, everything gets adjusted every visit type of, of thing? You know, I think what's important for, for both 
um, you know, patients and even chiropractors to recognize is that chiropractic works better when we're correcting subluxations. It doesn't necessarily work better when we're adjusting more. Um, you know, sometimes the most powerful uh, adjustments are the ones that have the least amount of force that are uh, delivered to the least amount of regions of the spine, but are, are applied at the right time, at the right place with that little something extra that BJ Palmer always talked about. And I think that's important for providers, uh, for patients to be able to, to, to recognize. And I encourage all patients, whether they're, you know, in evaluating chiropractors for them or their children, is to go and interview them ask them questions, get their feel, um, you know, ask them how many pregnant patients they work, you know, they work with, see if you recognize anybody in the office, do they have special technique tables, you know, to, to, to work with them, you know, whether it's pregnancy pillows or abdominal pieces that swing away to accommodate baby. Uh, all of these things kind of go into the overall, you know, conversation. A chiropractor doesn't have to have all of these things, but you should get a feel that they feel not just comfortable, but it's a passion of theirs yeah. that, um, you know, that they, they this is what they live for and this is what they really focus on and i think what you'll what you'll find is that having a a great prenatal chiropractic experience is going to make pregnancy and birth not just easier for you and ultimately for your child but it's going to change the dynamic and the way that you speak about pregnancy with your friends and family and it's going to ultimately change the way that you and you know basically teach your children about birth and if we were able to get everybody under chiropractic care during every pregnancy everywhere, I have no doubt that within a generation's time, we've completely transformed the conversation around birth to be more innately guided, to be more respectful, and uh, to be more of a process, less feared and more honored. Bravo. I have nothing to add. You took all the words right out of my mouth, man. You listen, man. You give me a soapbox. I'm going to stand on it. <laughs> uh, I... I pretty much agree with everything you said. I, I think it can't be understated, overstated. Is that what I meant to say? Sorry, guys. I'm like five days into a master cleanse and so my brain isn't working. It can't let me be ask a question. You, said you pretty much agree. What what is it that you don't agree with? I want to I want to hear. No, no, I, I agree with with everything, I think. I, I I I the biggest thing that you said that is most important to me is for for people who are healthcare consumers to come to a chiropractic office you have to know that the practitioner lives and breathes pregnancy. You have yeah. to, you have to know it. You have to see specific equipment that's designed for pregnant moms. You have to see that the practitioner has other pregnant mamas coming in and out of the office. And with most chiropractors that take care of pregnancy, they take care of young kids as well. And you got to see a lot of young kids running up and down the hallways. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time when you're looking for a pediatric chiropractor, look for things like, you know, uh, stoppers in the wall sockets, you know, to prevent kids from putting their fingers in there and shocking themselves. It's little things like that, that play a, a big role in how care is delivered. And a lot of moms um, have, have a really, really good BS detector. So, so use it, right? Um, if, if you're well, chiropractor. That's, that's the glory of millennials. We have the most finely, uh, <laughs> no, most finely tuned bullshit detector. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely true. I, I love it, man. Well, you did, you did awesome. Um, why don't you tell everybody, uh, where you are and how to get a hold of you. Uh, you're in South Florida, right? Yeah, I'm in South Florida. Uh, I'm, you know, located. I've got offices in Boynton and Delray. But the main thing is, you know, just find me on social media. Uh, I post a lot of, uh, you know, pictures and, and you know, stories and, and content around uh, perinatal chiropractic care and, and family wellness lifestyle. Stolman Family Chiropractic on Facebook at Dr. Ian Stolman on Instagram. You know. 
the truth is, is that uh, anything that I can do to help anybody, whether it's a parent or a provider, please don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. Well, Ian Stolman, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Uh, that was a great conversation. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, and guys, uh, we will see you uh, all next week. Okay, take care. Bye. Thanks, Doc.